0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Welcome to New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center. And we are so honored that you have chosen New Life to be with us here this morning. So thank you for being here. Like Pastor Tito said, as you came in, you received one of these programs. And on the front of that are things that we've got coming up this week. And on the back, are some fill-ins. We're going to give you those fill-ins throughout the message. This is how we take notes here at New Life Christian Center. So we're going to be giving you those fill-in answers later. Also, if you are new here, then... uh We have a gift for you, okay? We keep this, I keep this on my table so that you can see that this is just a small token that we can give from us to you to say thank you for checking this out here at New Life Patterson. It's a mug that's got our logo on it. So you can grab one of those uh, at, at the end of service. Just walk out into our lobby. You'll see our welcome center there on your left. Grab one of those mugs. And if there's a volunteer there, if one of our staff is there, just say, hey, it's my first time here. And we'll put that in your hand to say thank you for checking this out. Also, if you are here with us this morning, Morning and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Amen. I want to also want to call out attention that today is, uh, right after service, we have uh, an Easter training and kind of a, a kids packing, uh, a, um, kind of a, a Party packing party for our kids for next week. So if you are already part of our kids program, then immediately after service, go to the kids area. You'll see Miss Anna. They're going to be packing some Easter bags for the kids for next week. And if you um, have been here for a while and you say, you know what, I would love to get involved with the kids ministry, then you can go talk to Miss Anna and she'll get you signed up as well and kind of take you through our process. I also want to say a very special good morning and a happy day for, uh, for us. Over the last year, we We've had a foreign exchange student here from Sweden, uh, and her family is here with us. So let's give, stand up over there. So they just got in last night all the way from Sweden. And so, uh, yeah, thanks for being here with us uh, this week. They're going to be staying with us for a few days. going to go check out all that California has to offer. So we're just honored that that you guys are here. Topper. Yeah, my Topper. Her name's Emma, but I call her Topper, so... That's a long, long explanation of how I got to that name. Uh, But thank you so much uh, for being here uh, today. Also, if you came prepared to give today, we want to say thank you so much uh, for doing that, for helping move the mission of New Life Forward, which is loving people one step closer to Jesus. If you're here for the first time, uh, then you just sit back and relax. Uh, You do do not feel obligated at all uh, to give. This is for people who already call New Life Patterson their home. So there's four different ways you can give back to God through New Life. You can do that through our app. You can do that through the website. You can mail that in, or you can just give simply. We have a giving box uh, located at our exit door. You could just drop that gift uh, into that box uh, on your way out. But we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, for your faithfulness and your generosity. Um, I think that's it. I am so excited, guys, uh, to continue. Uh, happy Palm Sunday to everyone today uh, as we celebrate this on April 2nd, 2023. We're here to celebrate Palm Sunday, uh, which is just which means we're just one week away from Easter. And a few weeks ago, we began this series against all odds by talking about several prophecies. If you want to go ahead, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke today, the book of Luke, uh, which is in the, the New Testament. Uh, if you are new to faith, you think, I know what, I'm still new to this whole Bible thing. We actually have Bibles located up here on the stage. If you don't have a Bible, you can come up here and grab one. Maybe you've got it on your device, on your phone, or whatever. But we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. The first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're basically the biographies of Jesus from four different perspectives. And so we're going to be in the third one, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. So like I said, we began this... This uh, series a few weeks ago by diving into several prophecies that were given all the way back in the Old Testament by a prophet named Isaiah about the future Messiah Jesus. So seven centuries before Jesus ever was even born, Isaiah was given prophecies about him. And if you remember week one, we gave some pretty astonishing probabilities of just a few of those prophecies ever being fulfilled. But against all odds, Jesus did just that. Week two, we discussed one of the prophecies was that Jesus would remain quiet and silent in the presence of his accusers. So we went through the six separate trials of Jesus that he had to endure on the night that he was arrested. Don't forget that Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew that his purpose was to come and die for the sin of humanity. So defending himself during those trials would have interrupted that mission. So he stood there and he listened to all these false accusations inside of those six hours of multiple trials throughout the night with no sleep. And he remained humble and quiet and silent. But it it wasn't just because it would have interrupted the process of him being crucified and him walking away an innocent man. It was also because he was dynamically and obediently surrendered to the plan and the will of his father. When he prayed that final prayer in the garden, right before he was arrested, he verbally declared, your will be done, father, and not mine. And then last week, we, we mentioned how uh, all of us have accumulated different names over our lifetime. And we also talked about the different names of Jesus as well. And one of those names that he was given was that he would be called the Lamb. The Lamb who would be, quote, led to the slaughter, as Isaiah put it. And I know it's such a, a gruesome and violent scene when you think of a slaughtered Lamb. But in the, in the Old Testament, that was God's required sacrifice For sin, the blood of a lamb. But that wasn't God's permanent solution for humanity. It was exactly what God required for the Jewish people for thousands of years, but it wasn't God's perfect plan. There would never be a lamb that was pure enough or clean enough or spotless enough without stain or blemish enough that could wipe away all sin, past, present, and future, like the sinless, spotless, perfect, pure blood of Jesus Christ. And let's face it, Jesus being the sacrificial lamb was God's plan all along. So like a real animal lamb sacrificed for sin pre-Jesus, Jesus was the lamb of God and the lamb from God sacrificed once and for all for the sin of humanity. All we need to do as humanity is to accept that covering And receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then, from here, we begin a life of obedience and freedom in Him. You see, it's not just a one prayer and done. We don't just get to confess our sin and say, okay, I I, I did the prayer, but I'm going to continue living the way that I want. I'm going to continue with the same behavior and attitude and way of life that I used to live. Remember, Scripture says that the old life is gone, the new life has begun. So once we make that surrender and trust in Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be a different person. This week begins Holy Week. You think, what is Holy Week? Holy Week is a week of reflection and remembrance leading up to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which means that next week is Easter. Right, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's the reason that we have a relationship with the Creator of the universe, and we'll one day spend eternity with him. We celebrate his miracle birth at Christmas time. We remember and honor uh, the crucifixion and death by taking communion once a month, which is what we're gonna be doing today, later on in, 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 the, in the message. But it was ultimately because of his resurrection that separates Christianity from all other religions. And I can't wait to celebrate Easter with you next week. Now, like we did a couple of weeks ago, I want to take us on another historical journey uh, through Scripture and see how it directly affects and connects with us today. So beginning today and moving all the way through Good Friday, this coming Friday, marks Holy Week. And I'm going to give us all some challenges to kind of walk through in today's message to process throughout this Holy Week. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, all right, is to walk through this holy week with me, okay? So what was going on in the life of Jesus the last week he was on earth? What was going on in his life? What was he doing each day before that late Thursday evening before he was arrested, Well, we have an idea of what was happening today 2,000 years ago because we have Scripture to support it. And it's what we call Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday. If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, it was the passion that Christ had for humanity. And it's what the Bible refers to as the triumphal entry. Okay, watch this. The triumphal entry. Jesus' grand entry into Jerusalem. And as he came riding into town on that colt, people were cheering they were standing on the sides waving palm branches at him because palm branches symbolized triumph and victory. It was traditional to cover the path of with clothing or palm branches for someone that was deemed worthy of highest honor. There was another scene that was prophesied by yet another prophet named Zechariah. We've been talking about Isaiah over the last several weeks, but this scene that you just saw was actually prophesied by a man named Zechariah, centuries again before Jesus. Look what he says in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people in Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, during Zechariah's prophetic years, the nation of Israel was just returning to the city after being in exile. The city was completely destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem were still in ruins. And so when Zechariah was making this prophetic word, was giving this prophetic word, the people had to think that he was crazy because they're looking around and they're seeing nothing but rubble, nothing but destruction, destruction. And yet Zechariah makes this claim. He boldly predicted that one day Messiah the king would ride triumphantly into the city to shouts of joy. All four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talk about Jesus fulfilling this prophecy. Let's read Luke's account beginning in verse 28 of chapter 19. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt, just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest of heaven. First of all, why a cult? Why a cult? Remember, the Jews, they have been waiting for centuries. Based on Zechariah and and, and Isaiah's prophecies, they've been waiting for centuries for this this fighting, powerful, victorious, take control and take care of business king to come and and to set up this new God-given kingdom. So shouldn't he come riding on a huge armored covered Clydesdale carrying a sword in one hand and a spear in the other, ready for battle? But no. Instead, he chooses a lowly four-year-old cult standing next to his mama because he was communicating that he had no political or military agenda at that time. He wasn't there to overthrow the government, to establish some new world order like they wanted him to, Instead, he was entering into Jerusalem to begin the last week of his life. He wasn't there to kill. Jesus was there to die. And here's where I really want to begin processing today. Look what Luke added just three verses later in verse 41 through 42. When Jesus caught sight of... Of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem, saying, If only you could recognize that this day peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. Did you catch that? The uncontrollable weeping for the people in city of Jerusalem because they didn't really know him or what was about to happen. Yeah, they had heard all the rumors about Jesus, that he was healing the sick, that he was raising the dead, that he was doing all these miracles. So they heard the rumors of Jesus. Maybe they even got caught up in the emotion of the day with their cheering and their celebrating and waving palm branches. But are they going to be the same ones that on Friday are going to be yelling, crucify him? What changed in their hearts to go from you are our king to kill him In just five days. Have you ever known anybody like that? They're your biggest fan on Monday, but come Friday, your enemies. Jesus saw a city and a culture and a people that were broken and spiritually hungry and lost and hurting, and he began to weep, and it made me think personally, do I weep for those who don't know Jesus? or do you? Do I weep for the broken? Do I weep for the wounded? Do I cry out for the hurting or the spiritually hungry or the thirsty or the lost? Do I even care that some of my neighbors don't know who Jesus is? Do I ever pray for my friends who I, who I know that aren't following Jesus or connected to an amazing faith family like we have here on the weekends? When is the last time your heart was broken for those who have yet to put their faith and their trust and their hope in Jesus Christ. Earlier I said I was going to give some challenges for all of us to engage with and take on during this Holy Week. So the fill-ins today are actually challenges for the week, Monday through Thursday of this Holy Week. So if you're taking notes on the back of your, uh, on the back of your, your, your program, you can write this down for number one. This week I will, Monday, be intentional and pray for those who don't know Jesus. Monday, I'm going to pray, be intentional and pray for those who don't know Jesus. We all talk to people every day who don't know Jesus, right? And I'm not saying that beginning this week, be weird around them, okay? Don't approach people while you're crying and say, my pastor told me to weep for you. That's weird, okay? You're going to push people away. You're not going to win anybody for Jesus. I promise you that. That will not work. But let me ask Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for to find Jesus? Believe it or not, people can sometimes feel your prayers. I can't explain it, but I know when people are praying for me. I can sometimes feel uh, people's prayers for me. Maybe you've experienced something like that in your own personal life. Those family members, that one coworker, that friend, that coach, that teacher, that student, that employee, that boss that you really want to see begin following Jesus? Are you just hoping that it happens? Or have you asked God to break your heart for them, calling their name out in prayer while you're driving or at night while you're, right before you go to sleep or during your devotional time? be intentional about praying for those people. Verbally call their name out in prayer and then visualize them surrendering their life over to Jesus so that they can begin a life of surrender and obedience to the King of Kings. When you do that, you're connecting with God through faith and believing that he is big enough and that he is powerful enough to draw those people and those individuals close to him. Jesus wept for a city of people who are blind to the truth of who he is, and he's urging us to do the same. Look what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul in Acts 26, 17, and 18. I will rescue rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. Gentiles are anybody that's not Jewish. So they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So challenge number one is this. Monday, be intentional and pray for those who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Okay. Challenge number two for Holy Week is this. Tuesday, ask Jesus to cleanse me of anything that would keep me from true worship. Ask Jesus to cleanse me of anything that would keep me from true worship on Tuesday. Jesus entered uh, Jerusalem on a colt. And the first place that he visited, according to scripture, was the temple or what we call church. And here's what the scripture says happened when he got there in verses 45 and 46. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And Jesus is quoting Isaiah here. So for context, let me tell you what's happening here. Foreigners would come into Jerusalem and then they would exchange their country's money for Jewish currency so that they could buy and sell and trade in the city. And the money traders saw this as a way to make a little extra on the side. So they set up in the temple or the church to exchange monies. And in the process, they began selling the sacrifice, sheep and cattle, to make a little more on the side. So Jesus went a little housewives of New Jersey on them when he went in there and started just overturning tables. And if you've seen the housewives of New Jersey, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And listen, it wasn't so much what they were doing, but where they were doing it. They were doing it in the temple, a place of worship, a place of sacred holiness. And now fast forward to us, you and I are the temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit designed to inhabit the praise and worship of our Heavenly Father. Look what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian people, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. This was a wake-up call from Jesus to get rid of anything that would keep the temple from being used for anything but worshiping the Father. Jesus drove out sin from the temple so that it would be cleansed of anything unclean. So this holy week and beyond, what do you need to drive out of your temple in order for you to truly worship the Father? What's unclean in your temple that you need to get rid of? Is it is it unclean idols? Is it unclean thoughts? Is it unclean motives or agendas? Or unclean actions? unclean relationships, God cares deeply about who we worship and how we worship. Is there anything in your life that's robbing you of your focus of really connecting with Jesus during this Holy Week? If there is, drive it out. Spiritually dissect your life and start turning over tables in your life so that you can really be in God's presence and with God's presence during this Holy Week. Challenge number three for this Holy Week is this. Wednesday, read and meditate on the teachings of Jesus. Read and meditate on the teachings of Jesus. Now, for clarity, not Eastern meditation. Okay, not Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation says to empty the mind, but an empty mind is the devil's playground, okay? Christian meditation says to fill the mind, King David talks about this a lot. He says, I will meditate on your word. Now, he's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. I will meditate on your word. I will, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you, Lord. So King David talks about meditation a lot, but he's talking about filling his mind. The Apostle Paul says, to fix your thoughts. That word fix means to look at intently, to set your mind on these things, true Honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Fix your minds on those things. So not clear it or empty it, but to fill it. That's what I mean by read and meditate on the teachings of Jesus. Luke chapter 19, 47 and 48. After that, talking about Jesus, Jesus taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, And the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word he said. So Monday through Wednesday of Holy Week, Jesus was teaching every day and taking advantage of the last few days that he had here on earth. He wanted to use those last days, being with his disciples and spreading all, spending all the time that he could, giving instruction and wisdom and counsel while he still had their attention and the, and the attention of the others. I love it. I love it that all the way up until his last day on earth, Jesus was still spreading hope and peace and forgiveness of sin. He taught in the temple. He healed the sick. He sparred with religious leaders who wanted so badly to discredit him with all sorts of theoretical and theological questions. And like we said last week, and I've already said this morning, he never forgot his mission. He stayed within his purpose this Holy Week. Read and meditate on some of the teachings of Jesus. In fact, I'd love to do something with you as a campus. I'd love to do this, this uh, reading plan with you. So if you've never downloaded this Bible app, Go to, your, go to the app store and look for that, whether you have an Android or iPhone or whatever. Go to the app store. Find this icon. It's called the Bible app. Download it. It's an amazing, amazing app. It's filled with devotions of the day and all kinds of thousands of thousands of reading plans. So if you find that icon and download it, I started a Holy Week reading plan. I started it this morning, and it looks like this. So I would love to do this all together as a campus. You can just take out your phones, leave this up, uh, Robert, for about ten seconds or so, so people can can find that one or get a picture of it. I'd love to do this as a, as a campus. It's just it's five days, so today through Thursday, five days. You can go on there, find my name, and you, you can invite me to be your friend, and then we can just do this as, as a campus together this week. I would love to do that with you, uh, but find that plan and join me, and let's and we can look at the last few days of Jesus. Uh, together this week during Holy Week. And then challenge number four for Thursday is this. Remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for me. Remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for me. A couple of weeks ago, we briefly mentioned the Seder meal, or what we call the Last Supper, that Jesus and the disciples participated in on that Thursday evening. And I can't help but wonder, What was going on in the mind, in the heart of Jesus that last week, specifically this evening, the Seder meal? What was going on in the mind of Jesus in these last few hours, in these last few minutes, as he sat with his disciples and ate dinner with them? As he watched the disciples kind of interact with one another, watching the 12 talk amongst each other, maybe laughing, because maybe, you know, they have no idea what's about to happen. And one, one translation says that before he passed the bread and the juice, the bread and the wine, that they were reclined back after eating the meal. So I imagine they're just having conversations. Maybe they were having one giant conversation. Maybe there's several conversations going on. But I just imagine Jesus sitting back and just grieving Because these are the guys that he spent the last three years with on journeys, healing people. He sent them out on missions. I mean, the last three years of his life, he spent with these guys, his dear, dear friends. And knowing that he's about to leave them. Knowing that there's no way they understand what's about to happen to me. We always talk about Jesus being 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And I just... I wonder what was going on on the man's side of Jesus in that moment. Was he somber? Was he reflective? I mean, was he nervous? Jesus knew what crucifixion was, and he knew he was about to go through this. Was he nervous a little bit? Was he determined? Was he steadfast? Was he focused? Here's what we do read. That he was still serving God. And teaching as much as he could. Still looking for any moment to love and to teach others how to love. John chapter 13 says that after Jesus and his disciples ate dinner that night, he got up from the table and he washed their feet. Washing people's feet 2,000 years ago was one of the lowest forms of servanthood that anyone could ever do. And Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And then he says this in John 13, 33 through 35. Dear children, I will be with you only for a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you cannot come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other then watch this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This week, I will remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for me, and it's in that spirit that we take communion. If you want to go ahead and get your elements, we'll give you just a second to Peel back that first layer and to get the wafer. This is the first Sunday of the month. We do this if you're new here at New Life. We take communion the first Sunday of every month, and it just so happened this worked out great. The first Sunday is also Palm Sunday, so we get to do this today to reflect and remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross 2,000 years ago. The wafer in your hand symbolizes the broken body of Jesus, broken for the sins of humanity, the sin of the world. On that last night, as they, took, as they got done eating, Jesus took the bread and he broke it into pieces. He broke a piece off and he began to pass it around. He said, this is my body broken for your sin. And as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken for the sin of humanity, for my sin, and for the sin of everyone in this room. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat together. And then Jesus took his cup of wine, and he passed it around, he said, this wine symbolizes my blood, poured out for the once and for all sacrifice, for the sin of all humanity, past, present, and future. Let's thank Jesus for his spilled blood. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing, your body to, for allowing your blood to be spilled out for our sin. We accept that. We accept the atonement. We accept that your blood covers our sin. We receive you in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together. On Good Friday, Jesus was crucified and buried. And then on Saturday, it was silent. We've given you the challenges Monday through Thursday. I want you to accept those challenges and do those. And then on Friday, Friday just be reflective. Remember what Jesus paid, the price that he paid. And I can imagine on that Saturday, after they saw their Savior being crucified and tortured and then buried, I can imagine just some of the mourning and the sadness, the confusion that they must have suffered, thinking, wait a minute, I thought this was the Messiah. I thought he came to set up his new kingdom. I thought, I thought he came to overthrow the government, not to die. Maybe some, either, some even frustration. But what was about to happen on Sunday? <laughs> That would change history forever. This weekend, I want to encourage you to come to the stations of the cross, what we have, what we call Journey with Jesus. It's going to be set up right here in the auditorium, Friday at 6, from 6 to 7, and then also Saturday from 8 to 10. As you come in, you can start Station 1 right there, and the stations will go all the way around the room, and we'll end up over here. It's an amazing journey. We'll have some music. Go and we'll also have some little pamphlets to kind of help you identify each station, what each station means. So you can emotionally and and, and spiritually and just kind of be in the moment of that station. But We'll have those packets available for you so that you can connect in in a very real and genuine way. So make plans to do that. And as a reminder, here are the challenges that we have for this week. Monday, be intentional and pray for those who don't know Jesus. Tuesday, ask Jesus to cleanse me of anything that would keep me from true worship. Wednesday, read and meditate on the teachings of Jesus. And on Thursday, remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for me. And then on Friday, be here for the Stations of the Cross. I also don't want you to forget about these invites. If you have not, if this is your first time here, you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, make sure you grab a handful of these. They're available in the lobby. Take these and hand these out. It's just information about our service. And I also would love for you to do the, uh, the Holy Week Devotion app with me. So don't forget, all of these start with I will. I will do this. I will Monday. I will Tuesday. I will Wednesday. I will Thursday. And then I will on Sunday enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Come next Sunday with anticipation and expectation. Come with a celebration in your heart to worship the King of Kings. Do you receive that? Palm Sunday, thank you so much for being here. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this holy moment that we've had with you. Thank you for the opportunity to get together as a faith family. Thank you for the challenges, Lord, that you have given us To remember this Holy Week that 2,000 years ago, Lord, you didn't stop. You kept on teaching. You kept on healing. You kept on connecting and engaging with the people who needed you. And we know that you're going to do that this week. We know that there are people, that there are loved ones and friends and neighbors and coworkers, Lord, that are on our hearts. And, Lord, you have been softening their heart. You have been opening their heart throughout this season So that they will be here on Sunday ready to serve you, ready to worship you, ready to accept you as their Lord and their Savior. And Lord, we're just declaring transformation. We're declaring a change in people's lives. That people are leaving here today different than the way they came. And that we are preparing our hearts this week to celebrate the resurrection of your son. We love you. We humbly trust you and serve you, and surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, if you are new here, if this is your first time here, don't leave without getting this gift. And also, if you serve in kids, make sure that you go see Miss Anna right after. We want you to have a great week. This is Holy Week. Don't forget all the homework that we gave you, all the challenges. Should you choose to accept it, do it, all right? Hey, we love you guys. Have a great week. We will see you Easter Sunday, 8.30 or 10 a.m.,